Sometimes, the best stories in golf aren't found on tour. You'll find them at the back of the range. And here's your host, Ben Adelberg. And welcome to the back of the range. I am your host, Ben Adelberg. This is episode 305. Over the last two weeks, we saw the dramatic conclusion of the college golf season unfold at Greyhawk out in Scottsdale, Arizona. On the women's side, we saw Rose Zhang in her final amateur tournament repeat as individual champion. And on the team side, the ladies of Wake Forest captured their first team title in program history. This team was an absolute juggernaut all season long. And led by Amelia Miliacho and Rachel Keane, they handily defeated USC in the championship match. On the men's side, it was a clean sweep for the Gators. Fred Biondi was able to chase down Ross Steelman from Georgia Tech in the final round of the stroke play portion of the championship. And Florida was able to get through Virginia, in-state rival Florida State, in order to face Georgia Tech in the championship match. It was close the whole way, but Florida's three seniors, Ricky Castillo, Fred Biondi, and Yushin Lin, they led the Gators, and they capped off their collegiate careers as national champions. There's still a couple more podcast episodes coming your way focused on the national championship. So even though we are moving rapidly into the summer of amateur golf, make sure you are subscribed in Apple Podcasts and Spotify so that you can be notified when those episodes drop. This week, I'm starting my first big stretch of the summer on the road covering amateur golf. There's simply no better place to kick things off than at the Dogwood Invitational at Druid Hills, just outside of Atlanta, Georgia. For those of you that watched the national championship at Greyhawk and saw the best collegiate players in the country struggle to navigate baked out fairways and greens and and try and secure pars any way they could, well, you can forget about all that when it comes to the dogwood. This place is pure, the greens are receptive, and the dogwood is all about making birdies. In fact, last year, when I first arrived at the dogwood, that's exactly what the director of golf, Gus Barchers, told me. He said, we want these guys making birdies. We want to be the John Deere classic of amateur golf. So that got me thinking, how many birdies were made last year at the Dogwood compared to how many were made last year at the John Deere classic? So there were 1,450 birdies made last year at the Dogwood over four tournament rounds comprised of 116 players. Now, the John Deere Classic made 2,041 birdies last year, but that also included their Pro-Am round, so we're up to five rounds. And they also had 156 players in the field. So if you do the math, which I did, and I'm pretty sure it's right, the players in last year's Dogwood averaged more birdies than the PGA Tour players that competed in the John Deere Classic. The Dogwood has stepped it up this year, They are providing their champion, the 2023 champion, two exemptions into PGA Tour Australia events. The champion is heading to Australia to play in two pro tournaments, but before we find out who's going to win this year, I thought it would be good to sit down with last year's champion, Carson Baca. Carson just wrapped up a successful season with the Auburn Tigers. We spoke about his start in the game and what was responsible for the huge turnaround in his game. Carson picked up three wins in 2022. We talked about the Dogwood, but he also won the Porter Cup 
and the Orlando International Amateur. So he's trending in the right direction and looking to defend his title at Druid Hills and get on a plane heading to Australia. Make sure that you are following along on social media all week. You'll see tons of content on the back of the range and the Dogwoods social media channels. All the links are available in the show notes of this episode. So I encourage you to follow along. We're also going to be previewing and looking ahead at the Elite Amateur Golf Series. So it's going to be a wild summer. Let's get started right now. Carson, you're at the back of the range. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. You are welcome, sir. We are, uh, it's that time of year, getting ready for the national championship. I'm already out of Greyhawk. I know that you are uh, wheels up pretty soon with the rest of the Auburn Tigers. What uh, What are the last minute uh, prep items you guys are doing back on campus before you head out here to the desert? Yeah, uh, we're actually getting ready to head out tomorrow, but um, we've spent this past week getting a lot of really good um, practice in. We toss the track man's on elevation to uh, get try to try to get prepared for um, how far the ball will be flying out there in Arizona. But um, it's been great. Our home golf course here, AU Club, where we just hosted regionals, has some pretty firm greens as well. So um, we feel like um, that's done us some good getting prepared for what to expect out in Arizona. So how, how do you prepare for that? Do you basically just get the track man out, get a you know nine iron out, and just start hitting shots and trying to replicate just a number there and then figuring out what that's going to be when you get out here? Like how, what is maybe something that you're really working hard on as a team right now? Yeah, um, it's definitely, I'd say the biggest thing is wedges out there just because it's more of a precise number. So um, it's, that's where you have to be, have to know your numbers really well. And so we've just, we've tossed the track mans um, on the elevation to match what Greyhawk will be. And, um, we're just all out there hitting a bunch of wedges, trying to get those numbers dialed in. And then also just have kind of a baseline number for the rest of the clubs through your bag. Um, just because, I mean, you're going to be in some some awkward situations out in Scottsdale where um, you're going to have a pitching wedge from 170 with trouble short. And it's just not going to seem like you got the right club in your hand. But um, kind of after seeing all of these numbers that we've been looking at, that's kind of what you're going to, that's a club you're going to have to hit. So um, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting. Um, definitely once you get out to Arizona, you'll, you'll have a little bit better feel for it, but we're just kind of making do with what we can um, up here in Alabama. What, uh, so just so I have a good understanding and listeners have a good understanding, what is your stock nine iron at Auburn? And according to TrackMan, how far is that going to go out here at Greyhawk? Stock nine iron here at home is about 150 to 155, and it's flying 170 on on track man. So it's about it's it's flying another 20 yards, which which is crazy. <laughs> okay, well, you know what they say. I guess what they say all the time is everyone has to play it, and it's the same conditions for everyone. So we'll just yep, stick with that exactly. and move on, right? <laughs> yeah are you paying extra uh airfare baggage fees for all the chapstick and sunscreen and um you are you guys are bringing gold bond powder i mean you you can't not bring <laughs> gold one right we have we have quite the uh, duffel bag filled with all of those uh necessities for out there in that heat yeah i i think i might want to like set up like a you know instead of like a lemonade stand i'll just set up like a 
sunscreen gold bond uh <laughs> just a table out there and I, I i mean i think i could i think you could do pretty well i think that'd be that. hell, i mean it's kind of like you know selling hand warmers at the jones cup or do you <laughs> sell gold bond at the national i mean this is see i'm just here for a fundraising opportunity that's really all i'm here for i mean I like everyone can follow along on golfstat.com it'll be on golf channel i'm just here to make money that's really it <laughs> <laughs> so that's only reason I'm here. No, that's not true. I want to see who wins. Um, let's let's get to the bottom of how you reached uh, Auburn to play your college golf. Um, you know, we think of Auburn, we think of SEC, we think of you know kids that grow up following these these programs and going to the coaches' camp as nine year olds, saying, "I want to be an Auburn Tiger someday." <laughs> you are a native of York, Pennsylvania. Carson, please, uh, can we talk about how you got into the game of golf in York? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty funny. I, I reflect on it all the time thinking about how, um, how I managed to get from Pennsylvania all the way down here to Auburn. Um, but I've, I've played golf ever since I was a real little kid. Um, it's kind of been my family sport. Everybody in my family plays a little bit and, um, as I, I kind of started to take golf pretty seriously in middle school and high school is when I think I quit all other sports to um, solely focus on golf. And um, in the in the winter times, I actually had a high school teammate who um, he would go down and spend spend his winters in Florida. Um, and when he came back, like I was amazed at how much his golf game improved because Obviously, weather back home is not too good. You'd kind of put the clubs away for a couple months there, maybe go out and go skiing or something like that. But um, once I once I saw how much his game improved, um, my dad looked into some opportunities down down south. And um, lucky enough, we actually had a close family friend that had a house down in Florida and um, were willing to welcome me in. And I went down there and stayed um during my winter months from January until um, April to May to June, um, I ended up doing that all four years of, of high school. And kind of that first year after experiencing what a winter was like down south, I was like, there's no way I want to go to school anywhere <laughs> north. But the, the craziest thing was like I'd meet these kids from Florida and they'd be like, I can't go to school down here. Like I got to go go somewhere where it's a little bit colder up north. I'm like, you have no clue what you're getting yourself yeah. into. So, um, yeah, once, once I uh, experienced what that was like, I definitely, um, wanted to look at some more Southern schools and, um, was, was lucky enough to start playing some good golf and junior golf and get recognized by some coaches and, uh, ACC and SEC. And, um, my parents, my parents played, each of them played division one tennis. So they kind of, knew a little bit about the recruiting process and they were able to help me help me out through it. And we took a, a big recruiting trip down to a bunch of um, the SEC schools. And when I stepped foot here on campus at Auburn, I, I fell in love with it pretty quick. And following that visit, I told my parents, I said, I think this is where I, where I want to go. This place is awesome. So um, haven't looked back since I've been so happy to be here. It's been a blessing. We got two of the best coaches in the country with, um, Coach Kleiner as our head coach and Chris Williams as our assistant, who I actually had Corey Maggard, um, who's now with Titleist, yeah. my first year. But um, Chris has been an awesome addition to to our program, and um, we got a 
really great team, obviously a bunch of great guys. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been awesome. I've loved every bit of it. Now where in Florida did you spend these, these kind of winters? Uh, I'm just curious where in Florida were you? Yeah. So I, um, I was in Sorrento, Florida is about 45 minutes Northeast of Orlando at a Redlands, at a, right? Is it Redlands? Uh, red, red tail, red yep. tail. Yeah. Yep. They, they actually used to, um, they held a regional at one point. Uh, I want to say in maybe 2008, Patrick Reed played in it with Augusta <clears throat> and, um, also the UCF girls used to, um, play, play an event out there, but, um, it was great. That place was the, the the community welcomed me in with open arms, which was really nice of them. And I ended up meeting some really great people down there and just um, being able to play golf year round um, was just a huge help for my golf game. So I'm kind of uh, really I'm really grateful for Red Tail and the community down there. Yeah, that's, you know, I can kind of understand why people would want to or why kids would want to get out of Florida because you know, I'm a native Floridian and it's, you know, it's a lot of flat golf and it's a lot of Bermuda and there's not a lot of really any sort of uh, variety in your golf. And I think that's probably why a lot of the kids down here at least want to get out of South Florida or at least see something a little bit different because I mean, there's, and also it's, you know, it's five, six hours just to get out of the state. That that is true. So it's definitely, it's actually kind of funny you say that because I do, I do often find myself while being down here at school. I'm like, man, I could, I, I can't wait to go play some Northeast golf this summer. So you definitely, there definitely is some great golf up there, but I, I enjoy the weather down here a little bit more. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I've talked to, I mean, gosh, you know, Tommy cool and the guys in Illinois and Palmer Jackson, <laughs> the guys in Notre Dame, you know, hearing about, you know, what the weather is like for them at some of their tournaments and just being at home um, I mean, I mean, they have world-class facilities, but you can't, uh, you can't hide the fact if it's 50 degrees out. Exactly. For sure. So you go to Auburn, you go on these visits and you know, you had a great junior career state champion, you know, ticked all the boxes, played AG, AJGA, but, um, you know, that freshman year, I know you did great academically. Uh, you know, I think your SEC all academic team, your freshman year, but let me see if these numbers are correct. Auburn's enrollment, total number of students, I believe, is about 30,000. Um, the population in York, Pennsylvania, is about 45,000. So your hometown is barely a third bigger than the actual student body of Auburn. What was your first year like being a student at Auburn? My first year was great. Um, now, granted, it was a little interesting because it was still kind of on the tail end of COVID. Yeah. Um, so here's a funny stat for you. Actually, I did 28 days of quarantine my first semester in at school just through being exposed to different different people that tested positive. So that was that was quite the interesting first semester. But um, <laughs> that's a that's it, a lot of uh, that's a lot of meals delivered to your to your dorm. Oh my or gosh, par- yeah. Were you in the dorms? Yeah, exactly. Oh, no. I was in the dorms. So. So I, I got to know my freshman room dorm pretty well, um, being trapped in it. But um, my it, it was great. The my first years, kind of um, getting down south, getting um, getting to meet just a bunch of a bunch of people. Everybody down here is so nice, which um, is pretty cool. Everybody's coming up to you to talk to you and 
Um, I ju- just really got surrounded by a great community my freshman year, got plugged into a great church um, down here, which was really cool, and uh, met some of my best friends now at that church. So um, it was it was great. It was, wasn't was too too bad of an adjustment to, to get down here. Now, did you do um, – so a lot of your classes, I'm guessing, due to COVID, were remote learning. So do you still do a lot of that? I mean, I know traveling with the team and just all these – you know, being a student athlete, you're constantly on the go. Do you still do, do you do online classes or do you go to class? How do you kind of balance everything? Yeah. I mean, um, online class is great. I'd say pretty much any chance we get, um, any class that has the option to take it online, pretty much all of us will jump on board and do that. But, um, there are, there are some other classes that you definitely need to be in class for. So, we, we balanced it out pretty good. Um, that first year, obviously, everything was online due to COVID. Um, so adjusting kind of post-COVID, it was nice to get back into a few classrooms and actually see some people, see your professors and that yeah. sorts of stuff. But um, definitely when when we're in season, we're, we're trying to take advantage of any online classes we can and then just the classes that are in person, just try to try to really meet with your professor and let them know that you're going to miss a lot of class. I mean, for, for golf, you miss a ton of, ton of classes, you're missing tests. So you kind of got to be proactive with your professors and, and just stay on top of it. Well, that's a really good point that you brought up about, I mean, this is really great for parents of juniors that are listening to this and juniors themselves before they get to college. You know, I think you just kind of hit the nail on the head right there as quickly as you can get in front of a professor and for them to, know who you are, know what you're doing there at school, you know, be upfront with them. That goes a long way because you want your professors to remember you. For sure. For sure. That's definitely, that's one thing that our coach kind of pushes us towards is on that first day of class, definitely go up, introduce yourself to your professor and kind of let them know ahead of time. Most of the time they've maybe received an email already from either your coach or whoever handles your academics within your sports team. But it's always great for them to be able to put a name to a face and um, just it also shows that you care about yeah. their class and, and that definitely helps with it. Well, your major is finance, right? Yes, correct. Yeah. yeah, see, a lot of these golfers, this finance, NIL stuff and managing your money, I mean, you got to be you got to be aware of that stuff. You got to, you know, that's, that's right. That's yeah, right. Ba- basket weaving is not going to do you any favors down the line. So <laughs> So you're doing, you're doing the right thing. Um, I'm not big into numbers normally when I have a guest on the podcast, but let's talk about one number, uh, sophomore year stroke average, right? Uh, just barely under 73 in 2021 to 22 this year, 70.39. So you're looking at little less than a three shot difference in your stroke average year over year. That's massive. Um, did something click? Something change? I know your 2022 was great. We're going to get into that in a little bit. But where does this jump come from? A lot of hard work um, and and also um, getting in front of the right people. Um, I ended up switching. I really didn't have a swing coach previously. Um, just kind of bounce, bouncing around between a couple of different people. But <clears throat> I ended up um, starting to work with Mark Blackburn there. Um, who's obviously a coach of, he's got quite the lineup now with Max Home, uh, Adam Hadwin, Justin Rose. Um, he's up in Birmingham. And so 
um, my coach was able to get me a, a lesson scheduled with him and we've kind of, we've done, uh, done really well together. He's, he's helped me out a ton. We, we see eye to eye and what we're working on. And, um, it's really the first time that I've, that I was able to create a, a big picture plan that I'm able to kind of chip away at every day. So, um, it, it changed my, my practicing habits from kind of just going out and beating balls, not really sure what I'm doing to now I have an overall picture and I'm going to go out each day and chip away at it. Um, and so that's been, that's been a big part of it, but also just, um, fine tuning the other areas of my game. I've, um, I've improved short game. I've definitely improved putting a lot. And, um, also I've just kind of built a lot of confidence and self-belief that, um, that I can compete with, um, some of the best players in the world, uh, as far as amateur golf is concerned. So. That's kind of a big thing also, uh, you know, everyone hits it far. Everyone has the ability to go low, but I guess that would also be a big thing to get under your belt as quickly as possible in college where, yes, you can do this at this level because coming in, I mean, you're seeing, I mean, you're coming in and seeing guys, you know, like, I mean, gosh, I'm just trying to think, you know, you're seeing the Cole Hammers and the Pearson Cooties and the Goddard Ups and you're seeing all these big, you know, these seniors that have been doing it for so long, you got to get to that level of confidence, not necessarily a skill set. Exactly. I mean, everyone has their own, but you got to get to that level of not, I mean, I mean, do you remember kind of a freak out moment being paired with a player where you're like, all right, I'm, <laughs> I guess we're doing this. I think it's, you bringing that up is actually pretty cool. I think um, last year in our postseason run was actually kind of when I started to really experience that because <clears throat> at regionals we played at, um, Oklahoma. So obviously you had Chris Goddard up in the field. Um, some of those other, uh, players from Oklahoma are great players. Um, and then Texas was also in the field. Yeah. Um, so both cutie brothers were there, Cole Hammer, uh, Travis Vick. So some, some names that, um, you, you definitely know of in amateur golf. And so, um, I think I ended up playing with, um, Pearson at, at regionals and, obviously big time players, top five in PGA tour U. So just kind of getting to play around the golf with him and see, see how he, he went about things um, was, was really cool because that was a, that was a guy that was at the top of top of our level of golf. And yeah. um, just kind of playing alongside him and seeing how, how he went about things showed me that my game's not that far off as, as well. So um, that was a, that was a good confidence booster and then went to, uh, we made it through there, went to nationals and um, got to play with Cole Hammer, got to play with um, David Puge, uh, yeah. who's now on live. So I just got it, got um, some rounds in with some of those really good players. And that was big, big confidence boosters to see kind of where their games were and realize like I can compete, um, compete with these guys. So that was that was a really cool experience for me. And that definitely helped build some confidence um, going into the summer of last year. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about your summer because it was really, uh, I mean, three. Well, let's see. I mean, winning the Dogwood, winning um, you win the Porter later on in twenty twenty two. You win Orlando, um, so you win the win the Orlando Amateur. So so really a big strong twenty two. But heading into this national championship, um, you guys win regionals at your home course, and. You know, actually, you you come out on top over Vanderbilt uh, and Tennessee. Tennessee actually doesn't get through, which is probably, I guess, one of the bigger surprises of it was. Yeah, yep. so that was one of the bigger ones. But um, 
We've talked about regionals uh, a little bit here on the podcast, and, and this will probably be the last time we talk about it since everything is, is transitioning towards nationals. But um, I know you had success at Greyhawk last year, and I know you're looking forward to getting back out here again. But regionals, even though it's at your home course and you got your home fans, it's pretty damn stressful, isn't it? Yeah, it, it definitely was. Um, just because we knew we knew the course was going to be playing difficult. Um, it doesn't matter how many times you play it beforehand, you're still going to be put in situations that you've never been in before. Um, so yeah, it's, it's stressful playing, um, playing a regional at home. Uh, you kind of have a slight bit of added pressure because you're expected to play well. Um, but it was, it was everything we could have asked for. I mean, being, being able to have Vanderbilt, um, number one team in the country come to your home golf course and, be able to compete against them. That's just an awesome opportunity. And that was something that um, we, we as a team talked about with our coaches. I mean, it's not often in sports that you get to play against the number one team in the country. And so we, um, we were really excited about that and um, following the tournament, we were really happy that we were able to take advantage of that. You know, uh, you know who else won a regional, your friends, the Alabama Crimson Tide. How happy are you for Alabama to win a regional as well, Carson. I mean, Auburn, Alabama, buddies, winning regionals together. Are you guys taking the same flight to Greyhawk or, or no, 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 it's, it's good for them. I mean, it's, um, while they are a big rivalry, you are always rooting for, um, other teams in the SEC. And it was actually really cool. I think it, uh, I'm, I can't remember what it settled out as, but at one point, of the six regionals, five of them were being led by an SEC team. And in that sixth one, um, there wasn't an SEC team in. So um, I thought that spoke um, pretty highly of how strong our conference is. And um, it is, it's great to great to see other SEC teams win. And um, we're looking forward to being able to compete against them at nationals. That's a very politically correct way of answering that question. I'm proud of you, but I am going to, I am going <laughs> to, since it just crossed my mind, I am going to put you in a spot. See if you can answer this one. You have a putt to win the individual national championship, or you have a putt to win your match against someone in Alabama and knock them out of the national championship. Which one do you want to hit? Which putt means more to you? Boy, that's a dirty question. I can't believe I'm doing <laughs> that, this. That is, that is a dirty question. That's terrible. Especially, I, especially I don't with, care. Uh, I don't care. I'm not ashamed of myself at all. Oh, man. That is that is a brutal question. <laughs> I mean, do you, do you go to the Masters or do you, do you knock Alabama out? That's that's a tough one. I'm I'm not sure. Uh, now, if, now, if it's the clinching point, um, to beat Alabama, I think I think I might have to go with that um, if it's in the final match. Yeah, um, I mean, I mean, but, yeah, I know. That's, but I mean, either I, I I'm not going to be disappointed with either or. I can promise you that. I I can imagine that. Well, I think I know the answer to this one. The one that would hurt you the most is missing the putt that would beat Alabama. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, see, but, see, we know that. All right, we're gonna get you away from this topic. I feel that we're going, we're going in. A <laughs> I dark, feel like I'm stuck in a corner. I, yeah. I really, I'm. I just put you in a dark room, and I just uh, locked it <laughs> and left for a week. So I'm gonna, we're gonna, lead, we're gonna stop this. Let's talk about what I know. You're not looking past nationals, but um, right after nationals, you are returning to the Dogwood Invitational in Atlanta, Druid Hills. You are the uh, reigning, uh, defending champion now. Before we talk about the dogwood, I, I kind of noticed, uh, doing a little bit of research, you win the dogwood with your dad on the bag, 
and then you win the Porter Cup later in the summer with your mom on the bag. <laughs> yeah, that was that was pretty cool. It was um, definitely definitely made uh, made my mom feel a little bit better because she kind of <laughs> felt left out. There my boy needs second, me. So. He really she, he still needs <laughs> me. Yeah. But yeah, that was that was awesome. That was definitely two tournaments that I'll never forget. Um, just awesome being able to have each of them on the bag and. Um, dad, dad will be returning to the bag again this year at Dogwood. Love so it, we're, love it. We're excited about that. Um, this this tournament, the Dogwood, is is really unique. I, I love, you know, I was just actually talking to the tournament director, the uh, head golf professional director of golf, whatever, whatever three titles he's holding right about now this time <laughs> of year, uh, Gus Barchers. You know, I said I, I love. I love their time on the calendar. I love the way that tournament's run because it's right after nationals. So you go from the pressure cooker of the desert to basically a birdie fest at the dogwood. Exactly. So what, what, I guess, what attracted you to playing the dog? What do you like so much about this tournament? It fits the schedule perfectly. And, um, I mean, pretty much you finish up at nationals and then I'm still here and, <clears throat> Uh, come back to Auburn for a little bit and um, kind of spend a week here to get get some more practicing, get ready for the summer. And then um, I, I guess I played the Dogwood first time two years ago and um, really enjoyed it. Druid Hills is an awesome place. The golf course is, is always in great condition. And and like you said, you're it's a birdie fest out there. So um, that makes it all the more fun. Um, but it's just it's it's an awesome event um everybody takes it really low out there and um it's it's a it's a wedge fest so um i'm I'm excited to have that one on the schedule again i'm looking to defend there now another really interesting thing they're doing this year is the champion the this year's tournament gets two exemptions into a pga tour australia uh, or two exemptions into two events on pga tour australia and this is kind of something that that amateur tournaments are trying to do more and more of. They're adding exemptions to to professional events to give amateurs like yourselves chances to, you know, again we talked about earlier, test yourself against better players or more established players. Have you ever been to Australia? How much does that register with you when you saw that announcement come out? <laughs> well, first of all, um, I I told my coach I said that's pretty cool because you won the event a year too early. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but um yeah no I've, I've never been to australia but i think that's i think that's really cool i mean just the fact that these amateur tournaments are trying to create more opportunities for us um is, is all the more better so i i thought that was something really cool and um hopefully i'm able to defend and um, be able to check out um what australia is like well that that would be a hell of a trip um Last year, yeah, no yeah that's that, i mean gosh that's of course it's a long flight but once you get there you got a lot of golf to play you, last year you went into the final round i'll kind of get you out of here and get you prepped for, to get on the road and get out here to the desert but um okay so you head into this final round you have a five shot lead you shoot 67 68 65 and you probably know better than anyone just by seeing the the caliber of players and what the golf course is is uh, is giving up to these players that you probably know five shots doesn't really mean a whole lot. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think my first year playing there, um, I, somebody shot like eight under on the back nine and ended up another player shot like 10 under total. Um, and then it's actually funny. 
Um, last year in my practice round, I played with um, the kid that shot 57 out there a few yeah, years Alex, ago. Alex so, Ross, right? Yeah, Alex. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you definitely know when when you go out there to tee it up, there's going to be guys that are chasing you and um, <clears throat> people are going to take it low out there. So you definitely still have to lock into that round and, and get some momentum going because uh, pars out there aren't going to get the job done. It's got to be weird when you have a five-shot lead, and I'm looking actually at your scores for that final round. Really, um, you, you kind of got off to, I guess, a little bit of a slow start. You buried three, but really um, everything was kind of – you're making a lot of pars, and then, of course, everything exactly. changes on seven. <laughs> so, yeah, we, you, you knew we had – I mean, Alex is known as for the 57. You're known for for – yeah, I mean, I can't remember who came up with the tagline, but but War Double Eagle, you make Albatross on seven, um, par five. This is I, this is really your first par five you're seeing on the day. Um, exactly. So this is basically a down the hill, dog leg left par five. Um, why don't you just? I'll give you the floor. Walk me through this hole that basically changed the entire tournament for you. Yeah, definitely. Um... I, I really like the tee shot there. Like you said, it's down the hill. Um, you have a bunker on the left that um, if you hit a good one, you can carry. But really, you're trying to hit it a little bit right of that. Um, and hit a great tee shot down the middle. Um, got down there. You can kind of get some um, kind of awkward lies in the fairway because there are some subtle slopes. And yeah. I had I had like just a little bit of a downhill lie. Uh, I think I, I believe I had 188 in. Um, and to to middle left pin, so um, I knew that the ideal leave is kind of uh, middle of the green, right of the hole, and there's a bunker left and long that's not very good, so you kind of wanted to avoid that, but uh, pulled six iron on it and just kind of wanted to pretty much aim at the flag and try to cut one um, back towards the middle of the green, and um, the second it came off, came off the um club face it it was good struck it really good and it was headed straight at the flag stick but didn't have any cut to it so um that's kind of kind of a nice thing there but i, I actually never saw pin was in a position that you couldn't see couldn't see the ball land um but watched it watched it land up there on the green and then all of a sudden i saw um some people up at the green go crazy and kind of looked at my dad i'm like that thing go in and uh sure enough sure enough it did so that was that was quite the jump start um to the round because like you said i did get off to a little bit of a slow start kind of ended up making one birdie there in those first few holes um but yeah to go from one under to four under and one golf shot propelled me um pretty good there to start to cruise throughout the rest of the round because then i'd build up a, a pretty nice lead that um, some pars and then toss in a couple birdies. Um, I figured I'd be able to get the job done. Yeah, it was a clean round, obviously, five under 66. And, and yeah, you had a nice uh, stretch there of pars between uh, eight and 15. I'm guessing you got a little bit of attention for people coming out, or I mean, that that pretty much went like wildfire. I mean, I'm pretty sure a picture was taken of the ball and you right away. <laughs> yeah, yes, there was. Um, we definitely definitely had a couple pictures taken, um, <clears throat> and just just enjoyed that moment because obviously those don't happen too often. So I actually uh, had a chance on the next hole. 
how many people have the chance to go albatross hole in one? I was I was excited about that, but just said it's about thirty feet. So well, <laughs> that would that would have been that would have been a, something something else. Yeah, but, two. No, it was yeah two one. Actually, you know, it would have gone because you made uh, par on five, which is a, which so you made four there. You made three on six, so you could have gone four three two one. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but no, yeah, just making an albatross there was awesome. Um, that was the first one I've made in in competition so um that was that was one that i'll remember for sure but not your first albatross no no it's not it actually tallies it up to four now so wait a, okay um, wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute, wait four albatrosses in your career yeah it's that's uh, for some reason i'm better at making albatrosses than i am hole in ones which um i actually kind of w- would rather make a hole in one at this point but have you ever uh, made yeah, a hole in one I have two, but I mean, they were when I was when I was really young, and you, you almost half count them because they're from like a hundred yards and like eighty yards. But. Okay, All right. well, those are, you still you still count those. You still count those. But no, that the albatrosses are, are definitely uh, pretty special. Um, well, I, I'm glad that you were heading back to the dogwood to uh, defend. I, I think that tournament is going to get bigger and better every single year uh, with everything they add to it. Not only the, the PGA Tour Australia exemptions, but now the Saturday night charity concert on the range, which is going to be uh, pretty special as well. But uh, get your uh, get everything packed up, get the boys on the plane and get out here to the desert. And uh, best of luck at Nationals. And uh, I will see you at Dogwood as well. Carson, appreciate you stopping by the back of the range. This was fun. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Enjoyed that. And there you have it. Special thanks to Carson Baca for joining me on this episode here at the back of the range. Don't forget, follow along on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We have links to the Dogwood Invitational social media channels in the notes of this podcast episode. If you have any questions, feel free to shoot me an email, ben at thebackoftherange.com, and go check out the website, thebackoftherange.com, for merch, news, and photos from previous tournaments. Enjoy the dogwood, and we'll see you next time here at the Back of the Range. <laughs>